Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. And those notes can only mean one thing. It's time for Guys of a Certain Age. Robbie Koblenz in studio with Jay Reed and Art Sherling. Hello, guys. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Let's uh, let's jump into it uh, with our geeks of the week. What you got there, Mister Shirley? Okay, the one I have is a sad note. Um, Larry Tesler uh, was in the news uh, shortly uh, later this week, or earlier this week rather. Uh, was a computer scientist who invented uh, cut, copy, and paste, and among other things, the uh, the thing that changed our lives. The things that changed our lives. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to think that there's somebody that they can point to that's responsible for such an integral part of of the computing that we do every day. I mean, I, I can't imagine not being able to copy and paste something. In fact, when I run into a problem, not being able to, you know, there's something that I can't for some reason lift out of something. It's, it's, uh, it's very frustrating. Problematic. Problematic. Yes. To say the least. You know, uh, of course, I know the keyboard shortcuts on the Mac. I'm using constantly for that, but uh, Command C, Command V. Yeah, because V stands for paste. That's right. You know. It always has. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, it's crazy how that's so integral to the um, to the the desktop experience. Yeah, and uh, I've even I can't remember what the keys. I've got the manual dexterity there going, but I, I can do paste without formatting as well. Yeah, and you know, you get paste with attributes without attributes if you're getting to stuff like Premiere Pro or, or Resolve right. or whatever. Exactly. You, you know. Yeah. So, but that that fundamental concept of being able to take a bit of data. And copy it or cut it and remove it and right. then drop it in somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just in word processing alone was where it started, of course, I'm sure, where you could say, I want to move this paragraph down here. You know, you, it's such a, like I said, such an interesting thing to be able to do. But how it's translated to things such as, like you were saying with uh, some of the video editing, where you can cut, copy, and paste a piece of video. You know, do you keep the audio with it or not? You can decide those kind of things and then move them down the line. It's just incredible. Now, was he an Apple employee? I thought he was. I was looking to see. I don't see that he was, but that's what I thought. I thought I'd read that in another article. Or did he work? I think he worked at Xerox Park. Okay. So okay. I, I'm sorry I don't know. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm If we only had devices. Well, I copied and pasted his name into my Google search, so as a tribute. Uh, but what was funny is, as Robbie was talking, uh, yeah, Xerox Palo Alto yeah, research yeah. thing. Which is um, where Steve Jobs stole all, the, all his ideas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, what was funny is, as Robbie was talking about the keyboard shortcuts, and I do this too, so much of them now are muscle memory. And to me, I, I liken them to guitar chords. It's like I know where my Absolutely. fingers are supposed to go, yeah. but I couldn't tell you unless I had a keyboard and go, oh, you're punching this, this keyboard combination. So um, that's what was happening behind the scenes for you folks that didn't could see that. So Tesla uh, worked for Xerox uh, Park, the Palo Alto Research Center, and then um, Steve Jobs hired him over at Apple. Okay, so so he did work for both. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, and uh, did he do HyperCard as well? Oh wow, HyperCard was such a cool little thing there for a while, wasn't it? Yeah. Really neat uh, boy, he. He looks incredibly familiar, mm -hmm. and it may be because I'm rewatching. Um, um, he was the chief scientist at Apple for 17 years. That's where I know okay. him from. So, um, yeah, yeah, he was there at. He went from Park over to um, to, to Apple, to Apple okay. and was their chief scientist. Um, 
Robert X. Cringely was a, um, a columnist for uh, Computer World for years, okay. and he wrote a a, um, a book called Accidental Empires, how the boys hmm. of Silicon Valley basically rechanged the changed the world but couldn't get a date yeah and he that became a three-part pbs series uh-huh. and uh, i'm actually ripping it you know tying into last week's episode rich ripping it to plex so i can watch and that's just, it's a fascinating miniseries because it goes back and they he interviews tesla i believe but he's interviewing scully uh john scully he's interviewing steve jobs yeah uh bill gates and what's the name of this again it's well it's called uh the the pbs miniseries is called triumph of the nerds okay and I have to look uh, for that oh it's well it's very difficult to find oh, it's not i i had to order the dvd i think from england because oh. there were distribution rights i'll let you borrow it okay because i don't need the dvds anymore right. <laughs> and i'll mail it to jay yeah that's right yeah, that's what that's we'll right. do so but uh but anyway I, I vaguely remember tesla maybe from that but he was uh and for those of you playing along at home um xerox set up this think tank back in the early 70s at the uh, palo alto research center also known as park for short these are the guys. It was a it was a computer think tank that developed the idea of the graphical user interface, which is what we use in computers, where we're using a mouse. They, in, they invented the mouse, where you're you're interacting with icons on your screen to double click and, and have programs come up. Because prior to that, everything was a command line interface, and if you were old like Art and I, and you remember programming in basic a line at a mm-hmm. time, before. Before the GUI happened, the GUI, that's how you did things. And, you know, infamously, Steve Jobs took a a tour of Park when the Apple II, you know, back in the early Apple days, fell in love with this idea of being able to manipulate graphics on screen. And that's how the Mac was born, which Windows then ended up coming into play when Microsoft copied right. because it's a better way to do it. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So yeah, a little history lesson. I try. There. Yeah. But, but certainly an impact that he made and started to hear about his passing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty influential. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, Mike, well, let, let's, well, no, we'll come to yours and your, the your second, second one. one in a second. Um, so my geek of the week is something that I knew about them, but I've kind of rediscovered. It's Pluto TV. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a advertiser-supported video demands video on-demand system, or AVOD, as the cool kids like okay. it. So it's an app that you can download across mm-hmm. you know uh, any iOS device on your Apple TV. There's Android versions of it, but basically it is um, it's like Nick at Night on steroids mm-hmm. with commercials, and it's free advertiser driven programming and it's owned by cbs viacom and what they've done they've come in and they've taken uh their old library there's a little rascals channel there's a i think there may be a beverly hillbillies channel i can't but this remember. is video on demand as opposed to scheduled tv right? well no actually it's scheduled tv so they've okay. got they oh how many channels have they've got they've got 150 that's channels. what i remembered i've got it i've got it on my apple tv and uh you know, it seems like you, you pull it up, just looks like a regular uh, television scheduled guide. Yeah, and you exactly. You see what show's coming up at 1 o'clock or whatever. The, yeah. But, yeah. It's a- so you've got news sources. You've got a variety of CBS news sources. Um, you know, you've got uh, – there's a Today Show Live is on there. Yeah. So you've got all these content partners. Mm-hmm. It looks like um, a cable TV guide. Right. And it, I know as we cut the cord a couple of months ago, whatever, it's one of the things that I, I looked at as a way to – 
to kind of get regular TV or, you know, at least TV that I'm used to watching. I was, I loved it because like you said, it's, it's got all these old shows on it. There's just, there's just a lot of fun to watch. So I'm scrolling through, there's a Dr. Who channel. Hey, 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 there's a, this old house channel. Uh, there's a dog, the bounty hunter channel, oh my uh, gosh. Chris angel, mind freak, fear factor, um, forensic files, unsolved mysteries. Remember unsolved yeah. mysteries. Uh-huh. Um, so this is, this is each of these are, are dedicated channels and you can watch it on your computer as well. You, you can go to uh, Pluto.tv. Uh, they've got a ton of, of, um, MTV content on it. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's a Viacom, Viacom owned channel, the Adams family. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's cool. It, it's nuts. So anyway, if you're looking for some mindless entertainment, and there's news on there, like I said, CBS Sky News is on there. Is it standard deaf or is it upsampled to? I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Bloomberg TV is is on here. Uh, I I think. Let's see if I can figure out what. It may it may I, depend on the material itself. Yeah, that's an HD stream. I'm looking at a Bloomberg stream. Yeah, that's but I think stream. some of the older stuff may be SD. Yeah, like the the little rascals channel. Yeah. It's all, uh-huh. it's, it's all not SD. like they're going back and and you know re uh, importing the thing from the native. Uh, yeah, yeah. Video. Dennis the Menace. Yeah. Wow, classic TV channel. Yeah. yeah, which is very much like like you said Nickelodeon. Yeah, there's used sp- to be anyway. There's Space 1999 coming up soon. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, I know Roku has uh, Pluto TV as an app on it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got Pluto TV as an app. So if you've cut the cord and you're looking for uh, uh, a place to get American Gladiators or Baywatch, yeah, there you go. You know, uh, Pluto TV right. is is where you need to go. That's right. And uh, they've also got some on demand. Uh, wow, looking at some some movies here. They've got the Professional. Yeah, there you go. I think some of those have commercials dropped in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and sure and sometimes the one thing I've noticed about this and some other services that are like this, IMDb TV does this as well. Yeah, the commercials are not dropped in where <laughs> they make sense. No, they're yeah. not. They're they just kind of happen at a certain interval of time, and so you, <laughs> yeah, you're going. Why would you put a commercial? Who they've got the conversation? Francis Ford Coppola with Gene Hackman. I've yeah. never seen that. Oh, that's worth the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to. Uh, I need to I need to hit that. So that would uh, Apocalypse Now, Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of of movies, but uh, anyway, what can you expect for free? Yeah, uh, like I said, it is a they've got Patriot nice... Games. Hello, Jay. I mean, you could have watched Patriot Games. Well, also. I think that's I watched Patriot Games on uh, IMDb TV, which yeah. is very similar to this, and I think it'd be the same kind of. And I also had an option where I could watch it in Pluto TV as well. Yeah, I, IMDb has uh, TV has picked up some. Uh, mm-hmm. Some nice packages. You can watch Fringe yeah. on that. So, okay. but uh, anyway, that's my geek of the week. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting that that really kind of um, it drew me to this to to feature is uh, I've, I've talked to uh, some of the guys at Glued TV, G L E W E D, and they're kind of a little brother to uh, Pluto TV. Okay. Advertiser video on demand, and we have the cooking show Making a Chef with Mark the Chef, and they're looking for cooking content. Okay, so they, they have an app on. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, and they they're actually featured on on the they've got an app on Roku, okay. but they're also on the Roku channel. Oh, okay, so they're looking at like I think five million users, something okay. like that. So, but uh, it was kind of cool. Now you've got a second. Geek yeah, of the week. this is something that we just saw. I saw late yesterday and started to share it with you all yesterday. But we, Robbie and I looked at it. We all looked at it just right before we got here, right before you started the show. And it's the thing on the Mandalorian. It's behind the scenes. I didn't realize they were doing this. 
but they are shooting with the Unreal game engine. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. And uh, what they're doing is using this. They've got uh, a huge virtual um, surrounded screen, LED screen. High resolution. High resolution. It's taking the principle that goes back to the oldest movies that we knew where they were doing rear projection screen. Like if you look at King Kong, the original of that, and you're seeing people walk in front of a screen where you see the monsters projected. So that's how they got the monsters incorporated into the, the scene with the live actors. It, it's it's in theory a lot of the same thing. Am I am I right yeah, about that? Yeah, because it's yeah. it's not actually it's not a replacement like green screen would be. They're That's actually correct. shooting with this LED screen, the surround LED LED screen as the backdrop. Sure, and it's it's very much akin to what. Uh, what the the original Star Wars trilogy did with the matte paintings. Yes. You know, uh-huh. so you have these beautiful matte paintings yeah. and you've got light coming through, so it's an active light source as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and, and matte painting is, again, one of those things that's as old as, as filmmaking right. itself is. And so, you know, this is, I guess they're QLEDs, if we're going to go back to yeah. our, our revolution, right. Right. our resolution revolution episode. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, it, it's crazy nuts how, how high resolution some of these screens are now. Uh-huh. Um, I think Sony or Samsung has announced an 8K TV. So yeah. this is analogous to that. And it's it's almost at an organic resolution where you can't see dots. And, and so they've got the, the foreground moves far enough in front of the of the physical wall. Right. That uh, they're able to that use got a little perspective drop off that kind of right. gives that, and then then you've got the the you know you're able to knock the background out of focus with the lenses that you use mm-hmm. to give that cinematic feel. Yeah, and, and what they're doing is they're building because one of the things that people loved about Mandalorian was this practical feeling to it, the practical effects feeling to it. Uh, where instead of things just being 3D models, they were actually building physical things. Well, it turns out. They're building part of a ship, the part that the uh, actors may interact with or part of the set that the actors may interact with. And they've got these screens providing the backdrop yeah. for it. The screens are also providing uh, an accurate light source for that's it. Right. So you're getting reflections in some of this shiny metal from something that's that's just portrayed on a screen. So that's really that's a huge thing to me. And then they're going back in there and mapping this texture onto other things so that not only does the... Uh, do the actors and the the practical effects have the reflections, but those uh, the uh, virtual world is also reflecting and, and showing mm-hmm. those things. I think that was really cool. Yeah, it is. I think it is real cool. I mean, it's just amazing to me, and I had no idea that technology was being used. Yeah, and, it makes it, me want to go back and watch the show. Again. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, it's one of those things, like you said. You know, you're able to get. Uh, the specular highlights, you know, yeah. so if you, if you built the, uh, the, the razor crest out of, out uh-huh. of metal and you've got that dull shininess where well, you're able to, to reflect that, those light mm-hmm. sources, it's really, really, yeah. When, uh, in, in some of the 3d programming I'm mean, use, I'll use as 3d and, and then I've used poser as well. You're able to, uh, create this sphere and map, a uh, usually an HDRI image to it. That's going to have light information in there. And that's going to light your 3D models based on the, you know, the, the setting that you've chosen in there. So you're seeing that happen, but they're able to apply it to real actors as opposed to just happening in the virtual stage. And, you know, it's really cool because they're able to do uh, infinite set changes. Yeah. You know, yeah, talked with, about that. without it, having to, 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 you know, go flip physical props. Right. And we saw this on Geek Tyrant, by the way. So if you want to go check it out, it's uh, behind the scenes. And John, it's an interview with John Favreau and several other ones that are doing this. But yeah, the idea that, and, you know, they're, like I said, they're building practical sets. So there's a scene in the canyon. And as they go up, they've got, a, 
you know, the practical set of the canyon is, uh, the ceiling is there, or not canyon, but a cave. And, uh, but the rest of it's just virtual. And it's then nuts. as the camera pans or tilts or whatever it does to follow the actor, there's, there's a background there. It's not like set, it's not like flat, like the rear That's right. projection screen used to be, or even the green screen used to be. Of course, yeah. they, they'll build cyclorama walls of green screen, but, um, pan is left to right yeah tilt, tilt is, is up and up down, and down. Yep, that's yeah right. yeah so but anyway so we go from infinite sets to infinite earths yeah and right. we uh we've kind of talked about crisis on infinite earths uh the the cw mega crossover in the Arrowverse, and so we're gonna kind of talk about uh probably hit the highlights since i don't know that either one of us remembers it all that well, well I, I looked at a couple of things I this morning yeah. you know to but, uh, but i mean what what jay what'd you think I think that was really cool. Well, yeah, of course it's really cool, Jay. But you know, yeah, you can't really trust him. him up. Yeah, yeah, he's got. Uh, but no, no. What, what, what'd you really think? I just think it was really cool to see all the people, all the characters come back. That's what I liked about it. It, it and uh, not just the regular characters. The the guest stars were, were were part of what was cool. You know, the the folks that you didn't expect. So you know, the setup was. Um, what 83 82 83 84 dc 84 85 i looked oh actually 85 86 so dc yeah. was trying to clean up their their multiverse where they had multiple universes yeah. because you had all these different creative comics mm-hmm. taking place like there's multiple supermen there's a there's a silver age and a golden age superman right yeah, they were trying to. They had stories that had taken place, like you said, in the golden age, which is you know from the beginning of the thir- late thirties until uh, the you know mid forties or whatever. Uh, there was a silver age that was that took place after that up to the sixties, I guess, and then the uh, the bronze age, which is uh, late sixties into probably where they were in the eighties. Yeah. So they had three ages at that point. So in order to justify having these stories of Superman fighting, you know. Nazis and stuff. They had to have a, an Earth that took place. It was basically set in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and 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 the Superman from that Earth is pretty dramatically different than the Superman we right, know today. Yeah. In terms of you know actor portrayals, he's much more in line with the George Reeves character as opposed to the Christopher Reeve character. Yeah. yeah. So you know uh, you see that, and and usually they draw him with uh, gray at his temples or whatever. He's a little bit, but he he definitely is modeled more after the uh, Jerry Siegel, Joe Shuster look of Superman. Sure. And, and uh, he didn't fly; he jumped. He jumps. Now I think they, you know, they again one of the things they ran into was they they started. You know, they start out with these limitations and then they'd change them just as they had done over time. And it's like, well, now you've got it basically back to yeah. you know, what Bronze Age Superman is. Yeah. But so, yeah, so they did try to, and I, I always thought that had an appeal to it to kind of go back to that older storytelling. So the thing. crisis on Infinite Earths in DC kind of unified everything and pulled it together. And mm-hmm. uh, the CW has made their money on budgifying big um, DC spectacles and, yeah. and bringing them yeah. into place. And so, uh, and the crossover episodes, I think even if you've kind of bailed out on the regular season episodes, the crossover, I'm raising my yeah, hand yeah, for the that. crossover episodes tend to pull you in. So what they did, um, they had, they'd set up the monitor last year. Now, mm-hmm. now, uh, you know, so who was that? So the monitor is, are you, you're much more of a DC guy than I am. So the monitor was a, a scientist at the beginning of right, time. He's a scientist. And then, uh, he ends up getting, uh, kind of, 
trapped outside of time, if you will. And he's, to me, he seems a little bit kind of like the Watcher from Marvel. I kind of felt like yeah. he was a little bit of a ripoff of that. Yeah. But he is seeing what's going on. And he's he's aware that all of a sudden all these uh, Ur's or Earths. <laughs> He was a pro Earth Eye. Earth Eye are starting to collapse. His universes are starting to collapse. And uh, so he tries to warn. And you've got the Harbinger who comes through and, and, and tells everybody of the danger and everything. So, but, um, which the Harbinger is kind of like a Silver Surfer sort of character. Yes, almost. yes. Uh-huh. On, There's on a lot of that, side. a lot of similarity in that. That's so, a good point. so the, the CW, what they did is they took their existing uh, superheroes, mm-hmm. uh, which is, all right, so you get Green Arrow. Green Arrow, Flash, Black Lightning, Batwoman now, Supergirl. Uh, Superman from the Supergirl Superman universe. Superman from the universe, Superman universe and uh, Legends of uh, Tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. And so they they worked in this this monitor, anti-monitor, one's yeah. from the matter universe. It becomes universe. the anti-monitor when he goes bad, I guess. Yeah. What well, no. No, they're two separate people. Are they're two yeah, separate right. people. Yeah. So the anti-monitor is the uh, monitor from the antimatter universe. Yes. yes which yes, just yeah. sounds absolutely. Yeah. It does get very confusing. Yeah. Get, kind it, of a, a you know, so, but, um, you know, that... that <laughs> It's it's kind of a it's kind of a mess. You get uh, you get you get confused pretty easily because you've got the monitor, the anti monitor. You've got Nash. Uh, oh, what's his face? Nash Wells, who becomes Harbinger. Yeah, you know, no, no, no. Harbinger no, it, was uh, John's John Diggle's wife. You know, and and then no, Nash became Pariah. Pariah. Yeah, and that's and the other thing too. So who's that? Oh yeah, hush, Jay. So the Pariah was like the guy who freed the Anti Monitor. Yeah, he's the, because he does the the wrong thing. He's the opens the Pandora's box basically and lets the Anti Monitor monitor out. You know. And anyway, so the whole idea here it's a it's an opportunity for the CW to spend some money on extra special effects, get all their yeah. superheroes together, and for them they actually unified the Earth Prime universe at the end. So now everybody's taking place because uh, Supergirl was on a different Earth. Yeah. Uh, Black Lightning was on a completely different Earth. That woman's on a different Earth, I believe. Yeah, and uh, so Flash and, and, and Green, Green Arrow, Arrow were on the same. Yeah, that's yeah, they right. They were the only ones because uh, because every time they wanted to do a crossover, they'd have to have some. Kind, I mean, they got around it pretty easily. They had to have some kind of transdimensional. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and, portal and, or whatever. But yeah, and so and then the Legends of Tomorrow were based out out of the. Arrow Flash Earth, right? Yeah, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, so it allowed it allowed the CW to clean up mm-hmm. quite a bit, and also allowed the CW to uh, make crossovers a little bit easier. Yeah. So if you wanted to have Batman, Batwoman, and Black Lightning team up, you know, with with neither of them having real, you know, superpowers or whatever, the ability to naturally cross through dimensions, it might make that a little easier too. So um, some of the neat cameos that were there, you had uh, Robert Wool, who was uh, the uh, journalist in the in the Tim Burton Batman. Right. You had uh, Alexander Knox. That's what I found a list of this here. Okay, you so, got it there. Yeah. So right. like the first episode, and all these took place on a on an episode of a of the show. So Supergirl was the first. There episode. were there were three before Christmas, two after. Yeah, New Year's. which I still think was kind of a bad plan because so many people had forgotten what happened in the first three. I know, I, or maybe it's just me. Uh, Erica Durant, who was uh, Lois Lane from Smallville, uh, reprised her role as uh, Supergirl's mother. And also as Lois Lane from Smallville. In a later episode. Yeah. Yeah. So that was she great. got double duty. Burt Ward shows up as Dick Grayson, Holy yeah. Crimson Sky, Batman. Yeah. So that's the uh, that's the original mm-hmm. Robin from the Adam West 
Batman and Robin. Yeah, Will Wheaton uh, shows up as a doomsday protester. I think he gets killed pretty quickly. Off yeah, there. and he had nothing to do with Yeah, Jason Todd from uh, the Titans uh, DC Universe episode was on there. And uh, Ray Terrell, who plays the Ray, who has shown up in other episodes, shown up there. And yeah. Batwoman was the second one. This is the one that had Tom Welling, who was Smallville's Clark Kent. Which, which I think may be one of the greatest supermen of all time. Yeah, and he said he would only come back if he didn't have to wear the, the costume. He <laughs> yeah. said, no, that doesn't make sense. I was Clark Kent the whole time. They never put me in the costume. I need to be Clark yeah. Kent again. And even, you know, spoiler alert for those that hadn't seen it, he has no powers. He's divorced himself of his power so he could live a normal life. Which was an underlying theme of Smallville, yeah. you know, so which was great. And, and I've read that Tom Welling kind of channeled John Schneider, who played his father yeah. in the series, to, to kind of bring that at home so erica durant's is lois lane in that one yeah uh, which i thought was a great touch i love that now kevin conroy this is the one he's in yeah. and both of you and i were disappointed with um, his portrayal of this his portrayal of batman because he was not a good guy not what he needs so who was that yeah so kevin conroy uh jay he played he was the voice of batman and batman the animated series yeah. so yeah. he some folks would say he was uh, the definitive batman yeah because uh, of that voice portrayal yeah and he was mm -hmm. he was just fabulous so that yeah. was now he's alive he, he's done a lot of theater he's done mm -hmm. live action yeah. and stuff he before. was not bad in it i just didn't like the way they portrayed his yeah, character it, it was more of a vengeful old batman yeah. who's about to he's killing yeah. people i because think they were can. pulling some of that from kingdom come but they took it yeah they tried to take it to, and a lot of this seemed to have some kingdom yeah. come references especially yeah. those did uh jonah hex is there the guy from uh, that thing you do plays him uh Let's see, the next, the third episode was The Flash. That's where uh, Black Lightning first appears in this universe. Um, uh, Selena, I mean, Hel Helena Kyle, the Huntress, I think, who was in Birds of Prey. Birds of, that that, yeah. that short-lived DC right. series. She's there. John Wesley Shipp is there. That's one of my favorites is Barry Allen Flash from the old uh, late 80s, early 90s. Early 90s, yeah. 90s maybe, it was, maybe it was 90s. Yeah. I love that version yeah, of Flash. Yeah, I did too. And uh, I believe... I thought his wife was on. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought, yeah, Amanda Pays came back and played <laughs> That's uh, right. uh, the same character she had played on that show. Uh, and then Wentworth Miller was uh, who was uh, the voice of Leonard. There were some other ones in here, too. Donna Mayer was Barbara, as the voice of Barbara Gordon, Oracle, so we didn't see her on screen. Uh, then when it picked back up, we had Arrow with uh, Stephen Lobo as Jim Corrigan, who was the Spectre. Arrow had become the Spectre by this point, or became yeah, the Spectre. Yeah, he became. Yeah. Uh, we also saw Green Arrow's daughter. Uh, we had uh, this was this was to me one of my favorite cameos of the whole thing. Ezra Miller shows up as the Flash, the Flash from the the big movie version, the Justice League. Yeah. Thing, and we've seen him, and it was just a great. I thought it was a great thing, and it made me appreciate that. Uh, that uh, he could do that kind of stuff. You know, they, they would do that. I think that was really cool. Yeah, it was yeah, cool. It was, uh, and that was like a last minute edition, if I remember. Yeah, and it was really held under wraps. I didn't, I didn't realize it was happening. I think they had already shot, uh, got Gus, uh, Grant, Grant Gustin's Gustin? yeah, uh -huh. pieces for it, and then maybe some of uh, somebody high up at. at DC or Warner Brothers rather said, Hey, yeah. what about putting Ezra Miller in it? It was just a really cool tie in between the movies and the TVs because there's been such a reluctance to, to, to acknowledge, you know, one acknowledging the other, but yeah, uh, that worked out real well. And the last thing was legends of tomorrow. Um, several people were in here. One of my favorites is Marv Wolfman Wolfman, who is a writer for the crisis uh, yeah. shows up as himself. Um, Let's see. You had uh, Swamp Thing in there. I don't even remember seeing Swamp Thing in there. 
This one had a lot of heroes at the end because it was the big battle scene. Uh, you had Cyborg from Titans on there. You had Cliff Steele from um, Doomsday Patrol. Uh, there's a there's a whole bunch of people listed in here, uh, but uh, it was very cool the way they did it. Now, one thing I've heard, a complaint I've heard, is that um, uh, Green Arrow dies actually twice during the series. Yeah. And they thought it kind of undermined some uh, of the importance of his death to do it the way they did it in the series as opposed to finishing him off uh, with uh, with the respect or whatever that he deserved. Because Green Arrow, the reason the CW exists is because Green Arrow. Green Arrow is Iron Man to... Uh, as Iron Man is to the MCU, Green Arrow is to the CW Arrowverse. I just think it was really cool to see all the people, all the characters come back. Yeah, that's I think that's the best part of the whole thing. I mean, the, the story itself got probably a little involved. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, I can't remember, I haven't read the comic book oh. in a while to see how much it diverged from there, but obviously they had some of their characters take on the roles of some of the other characters. So what did you think of the Justice League at the end? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. The they Hall actually of had the Hall of Justice the from Hall Super Justice. Friends. That's right. Yeah. You know, that was fun. I thought that was pretty I wanted neat. to see Batmite. <laughs> yeah. Where was Batmite, you know? He's owned by Filmation, so they don't have it. Oh. Warner Bros. doesn't have uh, the wow. rights to Batmite. Do the, does Filmation also own, uh, no, they don't own Wonder Twins. DC owns Wonder Twins, right? Um, yeah. DC should own, because they've done comic books with, DC, with the Wonder Twins. So who was that? So the Wonder Twins were a couple of uh, they were they aliens, were twins, that, that had that, superpowers. One could take the shape of, of any type of water element, and I can't remember what the see, other one was. Form, form of, of ice, shape of was it an animal? Of yeah, some yeah, kind? Any, yeah, okay. any animal. Yeah. yeah, and they replaced Wendy and Marvin, who were in the first season. Oh, of Super that's Friends, right. Who did not have powers and were just really annoying. Yeah, but um, they were just partially yeah. annoying. And so. nobody cares who has the rights to Wendy and Marvin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I, I love the setup at the end where where Barry's like, yeah, this is a place where we could come and meet, and yeah. we have this table, and it's still a big empty warehouse. Yeah, it's like I wanted right. the big the big screen. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, and, the big and then, computer with all the knobs and all the lights and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was pretty cool. I think that was really cool. Yeah, it it, it really really kind of was. So. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was fun to see. I'd like to have. Uh, I'm sure they'll offer a package where you can get all five of the seasons but, from iTunes or whatever. But the effects were horrible. The effects were, you know, the shadow demons were horrible. Yeah. It looked something from like yeah. something from Doom and you know 1998. Yeah, they weren't they weren't what they needed to be. Oh, what well, another thing we mentioned too, forgot to mention too is that. Uh, uh, Brandon Roth, who plays the Adam in Legends of Tomorrow, got to reprise his role as Superman yeah. from Superman Returns, yeah, he, which was and, great. And he was the Kingdom Come uh, Superman in terms of his uniform. Yeah. He had the black, uh, black and red S on the on the front, stylized S. But they had said this was a continuation of his, like you said, role yeah. in, in Superman Returns. And it was really cool to see him back yeah. as Superman. And uh, there was a fight between two Superman, and but they had uh, so all told they had three guys playing. Clark Kent Superman role, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, but it was it was cool to see him, and he's since left. Uh, he's no longer playing the Adam anymore. He's left left Legend Legend of the Fall. Brendan Routh has so yeah. yeah. It, what was that? Six years for him? I think so. Probably. Uh, he started out with on Green Arrow. That's right. So he played that character, um, you know, for six years. Uh, I think he became the Adam. Probably the end of the Arrow first season. That's right. The first of the second season. Yeah, because then joined the. Remember, he took over Palmer. I mean, yes, took over yeah, Queen Industries. Yeah, we thought he was going to end up with Felicity, and I have no idea how that show even turned out. Boy, I tell you <laughs> what, I I just I stopped watching. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and I don't. I I mean, I was still watching 
the before the crisis thing, I was still watching Supergirl, Flash, uh, and occasionally something else. You know, one of the other shows, just kind of at random, nothing regularly, and haven't haven't picked back up since Crisis. You know, and yeah. so um, uh, I I saw you know um, I, I saw where the uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries show has not been picked up for series, and so what they did in Arrow, they were able to bring Oliver's daughter back. Uh, from the future to take on the mantle as Green Arrow, yeah. and then you've got uh, Black Canary, White Canary, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so they, they're one of the last episodes of Green Arrow was Green Arrow and the Canaries, and that was kind of a backdoor yeah. pilot, and so um, hasn't been picked up yeah. yet. It's been an incredible run. I mean, the Arrowverse has been, but you know, I think if if I'm feeling uh, oversaturation with it, I'm imagine. I tell you what, I, I I've never seen an episode of Black Lightning. Yeah, I've watched a few. I watched a few of those, um, and uh, to me, they didn't hit. I need to probably give them another, yeah. another chance. But you know, because so often, especially with these shows, the first few episodes out are still finding their feet. You know, yeah. and uh, uh, it, it didn't hit for me. Uh, I have I've watched an episode or two of Batwoman. Uh, yeah, and I think it's probably again just a saturation thing. I mean, I've seen so many of these, and they they start to follow the same formula. My problem has always been, and I've mentioned this before, is when they get a little too soap opera-ish, yeah. you know, too, a little too CW teen soap opera kind of stuff, I was like, ah, this is not, you know, what, but I, I want to see the superhero action. But I really liked the Black Lightning character seeing him again on Crisis. And yeah. I think it'd be, I think he'd be worth check, checking back out again. Um, Batwoman I, too. Batwoman yeah. too. I like uh, 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 Rose. I can't remember her name that's playing. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, her. she was, I, I thought it was a good character. Um yeah, yeah, I, I I wish there was a real Batman somewhere like there's a real Superman. Yeah. You know, and uh so you got Superman coming in. You've got a Superman and Lois Lane series. Yeah, and they're gonna have up. two like teenage kids or maybe a little yeah. younger than that kids. And then two sons. Yeah. And then the last the last scene from Arrow, um, where Diggle and his wife are packing up and moving to Metropolis because yeah. they've done all they can do in Star City. There's a mysterious green thing that lands from outer space, yeah. And John Diggle goes over and opens it up, and it's implied that it's a Green Lantern yeah. ring. People have wanted him to be a Green Lantern for a long time, and you know, so Green Lantern. There may be a backdoor pilot there for a Green yeah. Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Ryan Reynolds can show yeah, up as oh gosh and. Taki, uh, Takai Wakiti, who is Ryan yeah. Reynolds' best friend. Yes, I remember, that's the first time I ever saw him. Anything, yeah. First time I ever knew him. So, but who knows? But that's, uh, you know, how many out of five stars, what would you give it? I would probably give it four out of five stars. And a lot of that has to do with fan service. Yeah. You know, and I, and I realize that's where my, my inclination is to go. Because like you said, the effects aren't great. The story got a little convoluted, but the story in the comic books is convoluted too. Anyway, it's a convoluted, you know, it's a, it's a hard story to tell, but I thought they did a, I thought they did a good job of keeping it entertaining. I just think it was really cool to see all the people, all the characters come back. So you've said, Jake, so you've said multiple times, so <laughs> multiple so maybe he said it one for every universe. Oh, maybe so. Maybe <laughs> it's multiple J's and multiple universes. So, well, that's our uh, spoiler Latin uh, review of Crisis of Infinite Earths, which it's been out for six weeks. If you haven't seen it, shame yeah. on you. So, uh, but if you can go back and check out the uh, behind the scenes uh, video with John Favreau, that was that was really really yeah. cool. We probably had we seen it earlier, we might have done a whole episode. Well, you know, I'm just remembering that when uh, and we need to do a Battlestar Galactica episode. But when Battlestar Galactica, when they finished 
the run of that that was all the the control room the galactica was all practical set so was they had, really they had to take it all yeah. down so they came in and did high quality high resolution oh, scans practical stuff yeah yeah okay, so of, of of everything with the um, idea they they did a backdoor pilot called blood and chrome that would that would go yeah. go into the cylon war mm-hmm. and the first cylon war and they were going to computer generate the galactica okay a lot similar to what they did yeah. with mandalorian but not quite as high quality yeah so. But and the, doing it in camera is the thing that with the with those screens is, is what's yeah, huge. But yeah. that's just that's a very cool. I had no idea that was going on. Yeah, yep. So well that wraps it up for us this week. We appreciate all you guys downloading. We love your feedback. You can leave uh, you can leave comments on the uh, episodes. Uh, thanks for where you're downloading it from, and we will see you next week.